is Roger Green, host of the Surfing of the Nash Tsunami podcast. This weekend, we are offering four conversations from Season 3, Episode 8, our discussion of the innovations in NAFL Care 2022 initiative. In this conversation, program co-chairs Jeff Lazarus and Jorn Schottenberg describe the impetus to establish the series and define its core objectives. The recent innovations in NAFL Care webinar and the upcoming hybrid conference in May constitute one of the major initiatives to shift the focus for fatty liver disease awareness and treatment beyond the hepatology community to a broader set of medical specialties and patient advocacy organizations. So sit back, listen, enjoy, learn, and when you're done, join the dialogue on our LinkedIn and Facebook discussion groups. My sense is that part of the goal for what you're doing is to broaden out the scope of the people who are paying attention, to get, get a wider audience of, of more different kinds of people deeply invested. And if so, I think that would align with Stephen's comment about uh, trying to pivot on public opinion. Why don't we just dive in there? Jeffrey Lazarus. Yeah, I mean, that's absolutely right. And I know Jaren's going to have a lot to say on this, but, you know, I mentioned the whole of society approach to NAFLD and NASH, and that's really from a policy perspective to get this into the agenda of policymakers, even get it onto the agenda of the UN and WHO. We're not short of ambition at all in, in where we think NAFLD and NASH should be addressed. But also at the webinar last week, we had an opening session that brought together an endocrinologist with a dietitian specialized in obesity and as it relates to, to metabolic health. We had a hepatologist present NAFLD patient guidelines and then got a patient response on the NAFLD journey. So we're trying to really bring together different disciplines, different perspectives to get the patient person on the street perspective and then go beyond um, the liver space and bring in diabetes, obesity, and, and other related disciplines. Jörn? Jörn Schottenberg. Yeah, Roger, you know, from my perspective and, uh, you know, two weeks or three weeks out of NASHTAC, there's been so much advance in the field in terms of refining NITs. Think about NAIL NIT, the initiative Stephen and Mazen are spearheading, trying to get industry data pulled together to define NITs and look at the big spectrum. But if you look outside of hepatology, none of that advance, and it's been you know stellar with regards to what we're talking about, is perceived at that level that we're discussing this. It's time to move this advancement in the field, diagnostics, prosotherapeutics, to the next level and get other healthcare professionals involved to be able to offer that to patients. Because we as a hepatologist, we see that maybe the tip of the iceberg or the tip of the tip of the iceberg, but there, there are so many unidentified identified patients out there, we have to involve them in this discussion and bring them that advancement that we're seeing in the field here. And that's what was fascinating for me when, when Jeff came up with this idea, mainly from the public health perspective, but also from his view on liver disease, that there is ways to leverage on public health agenda and, and addressing additional healthcare professionals and get them interested in providing care with those novel diagnostics. That's at the heart of that webinar. Transform all that innovative data, all the phase two, three results. We're making progress here in hepatology to take it outside and, and educate the field at a broader level. When you say the field, Jorn, how broadly do you think that education needs to move? When we're making the program now, we're talking about primary care physicians. This is where the patients are. They have a lot of patients and very little with advanced 
disease, but they should be comfortable to A, know that there is a disease that can give, let's say, 1% of their patients or make it 2 or 3% liver cirrhosis. And if you move into more speciality fields, I think we've actively engaged with type 2 diabetes physicians, but also obesity specialists or some other physicians, cardiologists. They're not aware of the type of tests we're using. You know, not even if you mention FIP4, a lot of physicians won't be able to tell you what that is. So I think we got to break it down into the information to provide them with the respective information. It could be what type of screening does a primary care physician need to know? They don't know, have to know about all MRE changes and, and peculiarities of the field, but they have to know what tool is in my population the best one and how should I refer a patient then? And why does the diabetologist send this patient back and prescribes this medication because of the concern of NAFLD in the background? You want to really make other healthcare professionals aware that this is a disease that needs management and how to identify it. It's interesting what you said, I mean, how, you know, a primary care physician may not or even probably not in many settings will know what a FIB4 is. And we need to think, you know, one of the goals of our webinar and the meeting, the hybrid meeting we're going to have in May is to look at innovations. And, you know, there'll be a while when they don't even know what, need to know what a FIB4 is, because that can be calculated and the results can simply be sent back to them. I mean, we're collecting the information to calculate FIB4, but then we're asking people at the primary care level to do more work and do the calculation. And simple as it is with the online calculator or, or tools you may have in your own system, this can also be done. And, and there are initiatives that are starting to do that and then send that information back to the primary care physician who can say, listen, we were looking for X, Y, and Z, but we ran the following tests um, with your blood sample. And we need to talk about what that means. What strikes me, right, is primary care should need to know enough, if, if not to do all the calculations, at least to know why they're done the way they are and why they matter and all that, right? Yes. And that's a long educational process that we can't just sort of wait. I mean, it needs to be done in parallel. And there are many different kind of learners category. There are people who can't learn something until they really get up to their elbows in it. So what do you think is the fastest or most effective way to convey that information so that the people that we're looking for will actually get it as compared to hear it, but not appreciate it? I mean, there's issues about stressing the urgency and the epidemiology will be incredibly important. And again, not just the numbers of people estimated to be living with fatty liver disease, but a little bit of innovative epidemiology. So look at the tsunami on diabetes in obesity, in fatty liver disease, the relationship with cardiovascular disease. So they need to understand that they need to treat the, the patient, the person, and, and not just the individual um, conditions and disorders. That will be a first step in raising awareness. And the other is, is we need to speak less among ourselves, or at least speak as much among ourselves, but also speak to, to new audiences. So it's how do we get to have these kinds of sessions at national and international general practice primary care conferences. We need to engage with those stakeholders to find out what it would take to get their interest. Because if we tell them there's one more thing you have to do in that very short visit or your very long day, my guess is they're probably not going to say, great, tell me what it is. That's why some of the automated calculations are helpful, but they also need to understand what it means to be living longer and now to be living with liver conditions. Stephen Harrison. Yeah, in that vein, though, I think it's important to realize, well, we have to get the message out about fatty liver and the fact that 20 to 25 percent of people with fatty liver are going to be at risk of progressing over their lifetime and probably over the time that they're being cared for by that individual provider. Something like FIB4 is a good initial test today because of its negative predictive value. It lacks specificity for identifying the at-risk NASH patient. 
So it's a start point, and I embrace Fib4 for its start point. But let's not kid ourselves. It's the right plane. It's the biplane from the Wright brothers of a non-invasive test to identify the at-risk patient. It's a start point. It's not where we're going to end. At least that's my hope and prayer, is that we get much more laser-focused on identifying the patients that are at greatest risk of disease progression. And not only that, the timeline at which they're likely to progress. Because right now we just say, if you have an abnormal FIB4 or it's indeterminate, chase it with another test. And that puts you in the at-risk NASH category. And those people have a variable rate of disease progression and a variable rate of progression to something like liver cancer. And we need to get more granular at identifying that. That's not really the purpose of, I think, what you're trying to do right now. You're trying to just build awareness about the disease and show that there is a test that is free that can readily be applied to their patients population and is essentially the 80% solution when used on a one-time basis, right? 80% of the time, you would exclude the people that don't have at-risk disease or at least F3, F4 fibrosis, and then putting them back into the healthcare system with some sort of ideally digital therapeutic management would be the way to go and then bring them back periodically for repeat testing. And as we get better at it, then we can refine that algorithm a bit more. But, you know, it took me a while to embrace FIB4 because of its issues. As a highly sensitive, negative predictive test, it is a good place to start because it's ubiquitous. And if you get liver chemistry tests, essentially, and platelets, you can calculate this. And now, back to Roger. We hope you've enjoyed this recording. If you have any questions or comments about the content of this conversation or the entire episode, please send an email to questions at surfingnash.com. Next week, Surfing the Nash Tsunami will be back with Louise Campbell hosting a group of nurses and affiliated professionals talking about the practical challenges of fatty liver disease. I'll be back in two weeks with a discussion stemming from one of the major initiatives coming out of NASHTAG, the Nail NIT Initiative. Until then, stay safe, surf on, and we'll see you soon on the podcast. Bye-bye now. (laughs) 